Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning, I wanted to begin with a little bit of a behind-the-scenes uh, story uh, about what happened between last Sunday and this Sunday here at the church. And uh, sometimes people don't know what goes on here at the church. Sometimes people don't know uh, even what it is that I do. And a lot of the work that I do is, of course, in preparation for the services, the study of the Word of God and prayer, and then also meeting with people, organizing some things. And then there's lots of other things that happen that uh, sometimes people don't know or don't see. And, uh, but I thought I'd, I'd share something. Uh, if you were here with us last week, you'll remember that uh, Brother Robbie was holding a microphone uh, while he was leading songs, which is not usual. Usually we use this microphone. And uh, he was doing that for a reason. Last week on Sunday, we came in and uh, this microphone wasn't working. And of course, you know, on a Sunday morning, sometimes you don't have time to figure out everything. And so uh, we tried what we could. And I was talking with Brother Dennis. He does a great job. He's always very careful and always, you know, making sure everything's on point. And uh, he, he does a lot of work and I really appreciate him and his faithfulness. And, uh, but in, in the time frame that we had just coming in on Sunday morning and it didn't seem to be working. So we're trying to figure out, we couldn't figure it out. So we just went with it, and uh, Brother Robbie was holding a microphone in his hand, and so uh, last week it's, you know, I've got to figure this out, and hopefully by Wednesday. We have Wednesday services at 7.30, and so I was like, you know, we, we, we got to figure this out by Wednesday, and so after the Sunday night service, and even in the afternoon, I was... Uh, I was online shopping, you know, trying to figure out what are the different options, you know, do we have a wireless option, you know, what are some different things that, that we could do, I'm researching, I'm Googling and all these things, and then, you know, Sunday night, I'm still not exactly sure, but I bought a couple of uh, adapters, you know, these wireless adapters that, you know, you could plug in on this side and plug in on the other side, maybe there's a cable that's wrong or something like that, and so I ordered this on Sunday, Sunday night, and uh, it comes on Tuesday, okay? So Tuesday morning, we usually have a staff meeting, and so we're meeting with the staff here together, we're meeting with Pastor Choi, and then we come back, and then these things arrive in the early afternoon. And so I know time's a ticking, it's Tuesday afternoon, I'm trying to get everything done by Wednesday, and so I'm trying to figure this thing out, and so we get this thing, and uh, so I plug it in on this side, and I plug it in on the other side, and nothing. And so I was like, oh, okay, all right, maybe, uh, hmm, I'm not really sure what's going on. And so I'm trying everything. And uh, I, I'm taking these wireless, you know, microphones that we have, and they have the receivers on that side, and I'm plugging it in on this side and over here, and I'm co combining, maybe it's this cable, and so I take out that cable, and I replace that cable with a different one. And no matter what I do, nothing's working, nothing's happening. And so I'm like, oh, you know what, maybe I'll just go to the store. I went to uh, the guitar center that's by the South Bay Galleria Mall. I went over there, talked to somebody, and he said, well, this is your option. You could do this, you could do that. You could have these, uh, you could just string a wire along the ground and kind of cover it. And I was like, you know, none of these options are really things that I'm, you know, that happy with. And so I was like, okay, I mean, nothing else seems to be working. Maybe it's the microphone. So I order another microphone. And uh, the microphone, I overnight it, and it comes on Wednesday morning. And uh, so Wednesday, the microphone comes, and I'm like, okay, great, all right, we're good to go. And uh, so I plug everything back in, make sure everything was the way that it was before. I plug the new microphone in, and nothing. 
And I'm thinking, I've checked everything. I checked the soundboard, the soundboard's fine. I checked the cable from the soundboard over to here. That was fine. There's another cable from here into the microphone. That was fine. The microphone, maybe it's the microphone. I plugged the new microphone in, still not working. So I'm thinking, all right, I missed something, okay? Because the microphone's brand new. I've checked all the cables, everything's working. So I go back into the sound booth and uh, I look at the board. I'm like, I must be missing something. And I looked at the board, and uh, maybe you're not familiar with the board, but there's a lot of different channels that come in. You know, we have different microphones, and each microphone has their own channel, like a row of dials and, and sliders. You could turn the, that uh, channel on and off. So, you know, when I'm up here, these other microphones are off. And then when Brother Robbie's up here, my microphone gets turned off. And Brother Dennis, you know, does all of those things. And, you know, you could turn it up, you could turn it down. You could have, you have these different options there uh, to be able to kind of work with, uh, work with that. And we had, I checked all of that because it was working. And uh, so I was trying to figure it out and I was looking at the board and I noticed a button there that I had not noticed before. Obviously the button had been there all along, but I had never really either saw it or really took notice of it. It's a little red button and next to the button it says Phantom plus 48V for volts. Now that might not mean anything to you, but I realized, ah, I made a mistake. Because this microphone, for it to work, needs power, right? Just like everything else needs power. But this microphone is not powered by an outlet underneath, the, underneath this uh, pulpit. This microphone is powered by the soundboard itself. And that button turns the power on and off. And that button was off. And I thought, is it really that simple? And I pushed the button, and I went all the way over here, and I went, hello? <laughs> and lo and behold, that's what it was. And I was thinking, ah, this one little button cost me like five hours of work. Because I went to the store, and uh, I was with my kids, my wife was working, and so I thought, well, I'm watching my kids, they're done with school, you know, maybe I can kill two birds with one stone. I'll go all the way over there, spend some time looking around, asking questions, trying to figure out, come all the way back. All Sunday afternoon, I'm searching for things. On Sunday night, I'm ordering things. And then on Tuesday, I'm looking things up again, and I'm trying to research and figure out what all of these things are. And there's still things for me to do. All of the things that I bought, I now have to return. So I gotta go to this place, I gotta go to the UPS store to return something, and I gotta go to another store to return all of that. And you know, unplugging this and unscrewing this and trying all of the different cables. And, and uh, you know, I talked to you know, Brother Dennis about this, you know, about all of these things that that had happened and all of that trouble solved because one little button was pushed off when it normally was pushed on. One little button that takes half a second to push would have saved me five hours of work this past week. One little thing. Because little things can make a big difference. Whether it's a button that is mispushed, whether it's you misspell somebody's email address and you get one letter wrong and you send it off and think that everything's good, but then it goes to somebody else and 
and they're thinking, what is this email? I don't even know. And, but you're waiting on the guy to email you back. And he's thinking, well, once he emails me, I'll email him back. And, you know, all of these different sorts of things. Little things can make a big difference. But it's not like we can be micromanagers over every little thing, right? If we micromanage every little thing, we'll never get anything done. Because there's a million little things in our lives, so many little tiny details that are in every conversation, every decision that we make, the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not like we can micromanage and pay so much attention to every little thing. If we do that, we won't get the big things done. And Solomon realizes that wisdom is knowing what little things are really the big things. Things that seem like that's not such a big deal. It won't take that much time. It's just a little thing over here. Wisdom is knowing which of these little things I have in my life are really the big things. Because sometimes little things are little things. It's not really a big deal. You go to a restaurant and it just happens to be closed that day. No big deal. Just go to another one. It's not a big deal. There's a lot of little things that can happen throughout your day, throughout your week just things that you might not have expected, but some little things are big things. And Solomon is going to give us three seemingly little things that are really big things. The first of which is inconsistency. What's the first little thing that is really a big thing? Inconsistency. We read about it in verse number one. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly him that is a reputation for wisdom and honor. See, Solomon is writing about the ointment of the apothecary. So the apothecary, a word that we might use today is really the word pharmacist, but the apothecary would some, be somebody who might prepare the medicines, but it was also somebody who would prepare different ointments. And uh, we don't know too much about, you know, the different things that they would use back, back in the day, but Exodus chapter number 30 uh, gives us uh, these ingredients for an ointment that was used in the temple area and in the worship. And he gives some of these ingredients. He gives us five ingredients, myrrh and cinnamon and calamus and cassia and olive oil, these five ingredients. And some of these ingredients were not native to Israel. They're, they're not from there. Some of them were from like Saudi Arabia and India. They were imported. Sometimes people would come and, uh, you know, they're basically uh, merchantmen. You know, they would buy in one area, travel to another part of the world and sell it over there and then come back and repeat the process. Sometimes people would take the whole plants and transplant them over to the area. But needless to say, a lot of these ingredients were quite expensive. And in the description that uh, God gives to how to prepare the special ointment, uh, he uses these five ingredients. And in totality, it's over 12 gallons of these individual ingredients that you put together in order to create this ointment. So imagine somebody who's a priest and it's his job to prepare this ointment that will be used in the temple worship. And so he's gathered all of these materials and, and, and the priests have uh, spent a lot of time and a lot of money investing into these ingredients that they knew would be needed for the temple worship. 
And so they went out to the marketplace and purchased the things that they needed, or maybe they had some of the plants and were growing them and taking a lot of care into it and making sure that the containers and the vessels were not broken or contaminated in any way. And they've been taking a lot of care, a lot of attention, and spent a lot of money in order to purchase all of these ingredients to, to get this ointment together. So imagine now he's got this big barrel, this huge container, and now he's mixing all of these ingredients together. And so he grabs all of the individual elements and he pours them into this big uh, barrel or a bucket or some, something and uh, pours all of these things in and now they're all together. And imagine he's mixing them together to make sure that, you know, it's evenly distributed and he's spending all of this time and attention and care. And right in the middle of that, a friend calls out to him or maybe hears a big ruckus and he's wondering what in the world is going on and he steps over and maybe steps out of the room for just a moment and he looks around or maybe he calls back to his friend and says, oh, I'm busy right now. I'm in the middle of something or maybe uh, there's a big commotion and gets distracted and now he's trying to help figure out what's going on outside of that room. And in the meantime, while he has stepped out of the room, some flies smell some, hey, that smells pretty good. And they begin to fly into the room and they notice where all of this is and they get into the ointment. And you could imagine easily that they would maybe not have gone noticed that something got in there and they didn't notice that. I actually had that happen to me. You know, I, I drink coffee, you know, pretty much every day when I'm here. And so I grab my, I have a, a, a little tumbler, you know, with a lid and everything. And when I'm done, I, I do that. And uh, so I, I took over my coffee things, went over to the kitchen and I opened it up and I looked inside and there was a mosquito at the very bottom. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh no, did I drink this whole cup of coffee with a mosquito there in the middle of it? I had no idea. And uh, things like that can happen. You never know, you're not noticing and it gets inside and you know, maybe it's a little murky, you, you can't see it. And so you can imagine this priest who has spent all of this time and effort and these flies got into the ointment and he didn't notice it before he closed the lid. And we, I don't know the whole process or how often it was used or these different things, but you could imagine that those flies as they're there, they die, they begin to rot. And as they begin to rot, now they begin to smell. And you know, when the lid is closed, you don't really notice it, right? You, you know, but then you open it and you're like, whoa, what? What happened here? You can imagine the priest wondering. And maybe he's like, this is not, is this the right one? What, this can't be it. And you can imagine him thinking, ah, something didn't get in there, did he? And maybe he takes like some sort of sieve or something and, and fishes out these dead flies and realizes, oh no. All of this work, all of this labor, ruined by one lapse of not putting the lid on or not being careful, not being aware, spent all of this time and effort and this one moment just ruined it all. Solomon is saying you can put a lot of time and effort into something, but a little inconsistency, a little lapse, a little bit of something that was different from before can ruin the whole thing. Verse number one, he describes what he's talking about. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. 
you know, that man that you really respect, that person that you think, wow, look how great he is, and, and uh, he's always got the right things to say, always seems to know what to do, but then you catch him in that one moment when he's living in foolishness, that one moment when he said that wrong thing, that, that one moment in which he made the wrong decision, and uh, maybe his anger got a, got a hold of him, he let go of his temper, and maybe said something a little bit too quick, all of these little things, and suddenly that, that image of great wisdom has suddenly been kind of cut down. It may be shattered, and maybe now you're wondering, I wonder how many other times and how many other moments that there might be just, you know, maybe on the outside, maybe I've only caught him on the good days, and maybe I didn't see all of these other things. And, and Solomon is saying just a little bit of folly can ruin all of that reputation that is built up in wisdom and in honor. And, and Solomon is exhorting for us to live consistently in wisdom and in prudence. That these little inconsistent moments of foolishness, these little moments where we think, oh, it's just a little thing here and there, it's just a little moment from here and there, this time and that time, all of those little things can ruin all of that which we have spent so much time building up, trying to do the right thing, and suddenly all of that can be gone in just a moment. And Solomon is saying this thing that we call inconsistency is not a little thing, it's a big thing. That little thing that you might think, well, this time is an exception. This thing is just a little thing. It's just this one time. Sometimes it isn't just a one time. Sometimes that little thing is really a big thing that tears down all of the labor and work that you've spent building for years and years and years, sometimes decades and decades, just gone. Philippians chapter 1 exhorts us that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Philippians chapter 2 says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You know what uh, uh, Paul is writing to this church and to these believers, and he's saying, I want to live without offense. I want to live blameless and harmless, uh, the sons of God without rebuke, because there are others that live in, in, in crooked ways and in, in inconsistency, and, and uh, God is calling for us to live according to the Word of God in complete consistency. And of course, we know that the calling is high, and I'm sure every one of us is thinking, how in the world is that even possible? Sometimes inconsistency is so common that we allow it because it is common. Well, he's doing it, so why can't I? Well, they're over there, and, 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 and they don't seem to really care about it, so I'm just going to do the same thing. Everybody else is doing it, why can't I? And sometimes it can be excused, it can be allowed, it can be even justified in our minds. Well, if he did that, then it's okay for me. And if she did that, then, you know, what's wrong with me doing that? And I saw somebody else, you know, that I thought was a spiritual leader and somebody who was a, a man of God or somebody who really loved the Lord, a servant of God, and, and they slipped up. And so we can justify it in our minds. Well, if it's okay for them, it's okay for me. If they slipped up, then what's wrong with me when I do that? But God has called us to live according to the calling of God. Now, how can we live that consistent life and wisdom when we're all just human beings? Well, Paul gives us some of the formulas there. If you go back to Philippians chapter 1, he says, 
being filled with the fruits of, fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. You want to know how to live that consistent life? It's by the Lord. It's not because you're going to be, you know, that disciplined and you're going to be all of these things. And, you know, discipline is a good thing. But if you're going to be consistent, only God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we will find that consistent life, it must be by the Lord. And don't allow inconsistency into your life. Well, it's just for a moment. It's just for a season. It's just this thing that, you know, I'll allow it. Or somebody else did it. It's so easy for us to justify these things. But the Lord Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he desires for us to be the same in wisdom, not allowing for any moments of foolishness. Now, of course, praise the Lord, when we give in to the flesh, we give in to our carnal reasoning. We give in to the ways of the world. Praise the Lord that God can forgive us and God can restore us. All is not lost if you have made those sorts of decisions. God can set you on the right track, but it will be better for us not to allow those dead flies into our lives in the first place. So there, here's a little thing that sometimes people think it's not a big deal here and there, making excuses, making exceptions. But inconsistency, though it can seem like a little thing, is a big thing. The second area that we see is the inner man. Verse number two says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. So Solomon is comparing the two hands, the left and the right. And he's really making a comparison between your dominant hand and your non-dominant hand, right? Some people are ambidextrous. They can do whatever they want in whatever hand. They're just as good with either hand. But most people are not. Most people are either right-handed or they are left-handed, right? You know, I'm right-handed. You know, most people are right-handed. You know, you write with your right hand, you throw with your right hand. Anything that's important, you do with your right hand. Some people are left-handed. They write with their left hand. They throw with their left hand. Whatever they do is their, is their left hand. Now, whatever hand it might be, it's your dominant hand. And generally speaking, because most people are right-handed, the principle is that your right hand is the dominant hand, your strong hand, the hand that is in control, while your left hand is the non-dominant hand. It's the weaker hand. It's the hand that is not as much in control. And so he's using this illustration between the two hands. You have a right hand and a left hand, and Solomon is going to use these two hands that you have to describe the difference between a wise man and a foolish man. The wise man knows what is important and puts it in his right hand, in his dominant hand. The foolish man takes what is important and leaves it in his non-dominant hand. This is good, but it's not the most important. And so we have these two areas in our lives, these two hands that we have, the right hand and the left, the dominant and the non-dominant, and Solomon says, here's this object that you could put before anybody and seeing which hand they pick it up with shows them whether they are wise or fool or wise or, or foolish. And he says in verse number two, a wise man's heart is in his right hand, but a fool's heart 
is in his left. The wise man puts his heart in that dominant hand. Here is something that is important, that requires my attention, that requires great care, and I must put it in my dominant hand. It's that important. Whereas a fool sees his heart as being not so important. There are other things that I think are so important that I must pay more attention to. And so he puts it into his left. So here's the difference between the wise and the fool. The wise man knows the importance of his heart. The fool does not. That's what we're talking about when we, we're talking about the inner man. When you see Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse number 2, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Verse number 3, Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. So what, what is Solomon saying here? He's saying here is a, a man that on the inside is foolish, but he wants to appear wise. So he looks at the wise people and he sees what they do and he sees what they say and he tries to imitate, he tries to do what they do. He wants to be wise, so on the outside he tries to pretend like he's wise. But what Solomon is saying is that as he lives his life, as he walks down the road, his wisdom faileth him. Because he's not actually wise, he shows himself that he's not wise. Because if you're not the real deal, you're not the real deal. If you don't know the wise thing to do, when you're caught off guard, you have nothing to pull from except the foolishness of your heart and he said to everyone that he is a fool. He's not literally telling people, hey, I'm a fool. What he's saying is by his actions, he is letting everybody know, hey, maybe you thought I was a wise person, but now you really know I'm a fool. So what is he trying to say here? The fool can try so hard to look wise without being wise, but you can only play pretend for so long. Eventually, the fool, no matter how hard he tries to look wise, will be shown to be the fool, which is where the inner man comes into play. The inner man is what is important. The inner man is where we should attend and put our attention, not just to mold our outward behaviors, but to be different on the inside. Romans chapter 12 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The idea is that God does not want to mold your exterior appearance and behaviors. He wants to change who you are on the inside. Uh, Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 7. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Paul's attention and his uh, focus was on the inward man. And Solomon is saying, you know where the focus, you know what the little thing is? The little thing might be that thing that's on the heart, on the inside, that, that little doubt, that little giving in, that little decision to go do something different might not seem like such a big deal, but the Lord says what's on the inside is the big deal. 
That's why Jesus had so much a problem with the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 11, the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Notice what he calls them. Ye fools. What was so foolish about these Pharisees? What was so foolish about the Pharisees was they spent so much time and attention to look good on the outside without bothering to think whether they needed to be changed on the inside. Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? So the part that it was without is our bodies, right? People see what we do, what we say, how we live, right? They see our behaviors, that's the outward. But you know that you are not just a body. God made it very clear. You are a body, soul, and spirit. There's the exterior body that people see, but there's also the interior spirit that others cannot see. Only God can see, and only you know about. He says, God made that which is within and without, but rather give alms of such as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you, but woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So what, what Solomon is saying, what Jesus is saying, what the Bible is saying is you can't just focus on what is on the outside. You need to think about what is on the inside. And really what is on the inside is the big thing. That is what God looks at. Remember when God was looking for a king over the nation of Israel after Solomon failed, you remember what he said. He was looking after a man after God's own heart. He wasn't as impressed with how tall he was, how big he was, how popular he was, how rich he was. He cared about the heart. So let's, let's bring it to something very practical, very simple, uh, something that I think we can all understand, coming to church services right? Something very basic, coming to the church service on a Sunday morning, gathering together. Some people come to every single service. Some people might come once a week on a Sunday morning. Some people may come on occasion. Sometimes people don't even come at all. Now, what is God's admonition for us? God's admonition for the believer is forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, right? That's the exterior. People can see whether you came to church or not, right? Everybody can look around and see, ah, I see brother so-and-so over there. Ah, I see sister so-and-so over there. Or they can also see, I don't see brother so-and-so over there. He must not be here today. And there could be all sorts of different reasons. Somebody got sick, something came up suddenly, suddenly there was, uh, you know, flooding in the house. I mean, all sorts of different things can happen. They're on vacation, maybe they just slept in. I mean, all sorts of different things can happen. Oh, you know, we don't, we don't know necessarily, but you can see whether somebody is here or whether somebody is not here. Now, it's important to be here at the church, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but it's equally important why you are here. Verse number 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So God is saying, here is the external, go to church. Now here's the internal, consider one another. You know why you should go to church? Because you love the other believers that are here. That's why you should be here. 
and loving one another, considering one another, we should provoke them unto love and to good works. You know why you should come to every single church service? So that you could encourage the other believers, let's keep on living for God. Hey, let's do what is right. Hey, God said this in the Bible. Let's do that. Hey, let's serve the Lord. Hey, let's witness to our lost friends. Hey, I know that you're struggling with this. I'm going to pray for you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep on moving. Hey, let's, let's not uh, uh, get caught up in all of these different things. Let's make sure we're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not just on earth. That's what we're supposed to do here as a church together, exhorting one another, and the Bible says, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, we don't know when Jesus is going to come, but he's coming one day. And every day that passes, it's one day closer. And as that day approaches, the admonition is, let us encourage one another even more, because we don't know how much time is left. And time is growing short. And that is the heart that God desires. Coming to church, looking around and saying, you know what, if there's anybody here that's a little bit down, I want to lift them up in the Lord. Hey, if there's anybody here that's struggling with something, I want to be able to pray for them. I want to be able to come alongside of them and say, you know what? You're not alone. I'm here with you. Hey, let's do this together. Hey, let's keep on moving forward. Hey, don't give up. Don't quit. And when somebody is maybe here and, and, and then they're not here and you reach out to them and say, hey, brother, you know what? Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? Hey, let's get back to the church services. That's the important thing. Hey, let's gather together. Let's hear from God's word, what he desires from us. And, and let's live for the Lord because that's what he wants in the inner heart. And so all of these external things like church service comes together with what you have in your heart and that's the desire and so the wise man said it's not good enough for me to just come to church i want my heart to be in church i want my heart to be in the right place and he puts it in his right hand he says this is the important thing and it might seem like a little thing because I'm sure every one of us, or most of us, could say, well, I'm at church, aren't I? I'm in some ministry, aren't I? I give in the offering plate, don't I? But the wise man knows that the Christian life is not just about how other people see me. It's about who I am on the inside. That's what Solomon is saying here. He's saying the wise man's heart is in his right hand because he knows it's not good enough for me to just... Uh, pretend or to show other people, to have other people think that I'm wise, what's important is that I actually grow to be wise. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that, is, he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Proverbs 25, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's why he says in Proverbs 4, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So here's another small thing, a little thing, a thing that you might think, I could get away with this. I could come to church and nobody would know whether I'm good or not. I could put a smile on my face, play pretend, and just do the thing. But you know what? The inner man, though it might seem like a little thing, is a big thing. Inconsistency might seem like not such a big deal, but it's a big deal. The third area impatience. Verse number five. 
There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low places. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. So Solomon is looking out at the world. He notices a great evil. He says there's something wrong over there. And what is wrong is that he sees fools in high positions and wise people in low positions. The fools are honored and the wise are made to serve. Now, how could that be? Where would this situation come from? Now, of course, the natural thing is to think, well, that must have come from the ruler because the ruler is the one that appoints people into their positions. And in many cases, that is the case. The, the one in leadership carries a great burden of responsibility because of his uh, 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 capacity to be able to delegate, to be able to appoint to different positions. So whenever a company is doing poorly, whether or not it's somebody like, you know, a managerial position here or there, oftentimes if a company is not doing well, who do they fire? They fire the CEO, the president, whoever's at the top. He's the one that takes the burden and the responsibility. And we, of course, can also take some great learning lessons from here because whoever's at the top is the one that is appointing all of these other positions. That's why things like elections matter. Sometimes people think, oh, you know what, this election, you know, you know people, we're picking between which is the lesser evil, you know, and you know, sometimes it can feel that way. Well, that politician's got this issue and that issue, and I disagree here and there. And, and uh, sometimes all of the attention is just pointed at to like the president, for instance. And the president is important in and of itself because of some of the decisions that he can make. He might veto something, might write some executive decision, things like that but also because of who he picks to fill all of these positions. Because he's the one who picks the cabinet members. He's the one who appoints or nominates, you know, like federal judges. And there's all sorts of other positions in, in, in government that are basically the president decides whoever is there. And so that's an important thing. But here's the little thing, because the president we all recognize is a big thing. Right? The CEO is a big thing. Maybe here at the church you might think the pastor, he, he's the big thing. He's the big, that's the big position. But what's interesting here is in verse number five, he says, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. The word error there, it, it kind of means ignorant or unaware. It carries the idea not of intentional evil, but of oversight, like he didn't notice. It also contains this idea that we might think, ah, if this is the situation here, then it must be the ruler that determined this. But you'll notice that we skipped over a verse. In verse number four, there's a key here that relates verse 4 and verse number 5. Verse number 5, 6, and 7 might just seem like, well, if we could get a better ruler, then everything would be good. But verse number 4 gives us the little thing, the thing that we might think is like, well, I didn't even notice that. That is the big thing. Verse number 4. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. 
What he's saying here, yielding not meaning to like just give in. What he's meaning is to stay in your place. Don't act rashly. Don't just be like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I quit. Rage quitting, you know, spontaneously giving up, you know. What he's saying here is, it's easy to look at the one at the top and say, if he would just do his job, then everything would be great. But what he's saying here is, okay, first of all, you don't always get to choose who the ruler is, right? Sometimes the president is not somebody that you chose. Your boss is usually not somebody that you chose. The president, the CEO, all of these things, you don't get to choose these things. So you don't always get to choose that. But the real oversight is to underestimate what you can do. And what Solomon is saying here is, here's the little thing. Here is a wise man who is living under, serving under an inconsistent king. Here's the king, and just spontaneously, he got angry and started berating his servant. And it would have been very easy for the servant to say, you know what, I don't have to put up with this anymore. I'm done. That would be very easy to do. Very understandable for anybody to do. But what Sol uh, Solomon is saying is, here's what would do the greatest benefit. Be patient. Stay in your place. You can't always control the situation, but sometimes we give up too soon. Now, by nature, I'm a naturally little bit of an impatient person. Like, if we're going to do something, let's just do it. Let's just do it now. Let's get it done. I don't want to wait for, oh, one of these days. Let's do it today. If it's important, let's do it today. That's my natural disposition. And I'm sure some of you are like that too, where you're just like, all right, let's get it done. Let's get out there. Come on, let's do something. Now, some of you might be on the opposite end of that. But for those of us that are like, you know, quote unquote, you know, like go-getters, let's go, let's go do this thing, we need to learn to be patient. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know what Paul is writing to these churches? He's saying, I know you're getting a little tired, but don't give up. Don't quit. Keep on living. Keep on moving forward. Keep on running your race. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. If anybody had the right to say, this is enough, I don't deserve to be treated this way anymore, it would have been the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And yet he endured until it was done. And God is saying, here's a little thing that in our eyes might seem little, but in God's eyes is a big thing. Patience. Let us finish our race. Run 
our race with patience. He says in Acts 20, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is saying, I won't quit. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep moving on. I'm going to be faithful. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Sometimes it's easy for us to give up, for us to quit, for us to start coasting. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for 50 years. But the Bible says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I know that our lives seem like these long lives, but we have just a short amount of time. And God's saying, don't waste that short amount of time. Be faithful. Be patient. Continue forward. That thing where you might be like, you know what? It's never going to change. Maybe it's the next hit of the spiritual hammer that breaks the rock. You never know. And so here are a few things that Solomon says, you know what? Here's some things that I've learned. Some little things that are really big things. Inconsistency is a big thing. Being faithful, deciding, you know what? I'm going to follow God and God will be first every single time. I'm going to be faithful in my place every single time. The inner man is important, not just to make other people think that we're good, that we're spiritual, that everything's fine, but, but to know that God sees the heart and to know not just to look good, but to be good. Not just to look like a Christian, but to be a Christian, to be saved, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart to save him, to save you from your sins. Also impatience. Let me encourage you, be faithful. I know it may have seemed like, you know what, I've been laboring in this field, in this ministry for years and years and years, and I'm just not seeing any fruit. God says, be faithful. If you continue, you shall reap if you faint not.